stop coming and they don't stop coming Fed to the rules and I hit the ground running Didn't make sense not to live for fun Your brain gets smart but your head gets dumb And so much to do, so much to All right, see. So well, welcome to the Cedars Gear Podcast You are tuned in to Shovel Lake Public Radio here on what's our dial number again, Ajay? I forgot again. Anyway, some random radio station. Just kidding. This isn't actually live at all, but we have to say that because we like to pretend still, even though it's sad. I know. I'm almost, how old am I? 32? I'll be 32 and I'm still playing make believe. But that's the Cedar Skier podcast, really, in a nutshell. And we're so glad you could join us as we do day two of World Cup instant reactions. We did watch the show, uh, watch the races this morning, and then, um, you know, I, I, I think I would, I'd have to consider myself maybe dad of the year because I went, I changed a diaper today, I cleaned a toilet today, I did go running, I ran the dog today, and, and so that's what has kept me away from Cedar Skier podcasting immediately, and so hopefully those of you out there who are like, wow, yet again, Ryan has said, we're going to be on daily reacting to the World Cup. And here we are one day in and he's already dropped the promise. No, no, we're here late. I know, 3.15 in the afternoon. But for the folks in Alaska and Hawaii listening, come on, they're going to be waking up and they can tune in and listen to this and, and feel just thrilled about our coverage. So um, yeah, World Cup instant reactions today. If you didn't already know, um, spoiler alert, Seaman Isaac Kruger takes the championship skiathlon, 30K skiathlon. Johannes Klabo, 12 seconds back. Shirota, 14.1 seconds back. There's your trio. Nor- Norway takes the top four spots, similar to the Swedish women did in the sprint yesterday. Um, Norwegian, so Norwegian dominance. And then two Swedes, William Porama and Kalle Haverson, fifth and sixth, followed by Friedrich Malk, Jules Lapierre. Clement Paris, Bertu Hirvonen of Finland. That's your top 10. Top American Scott Patterson in 19, three minutes and 19 seconds back. Hunter Wonders, 24th, four minutes and 32 seconds back. And then Gus Schumacher finishing 38th, seven minutes and 16 seconds back. I believe we have boots on the ground from the U.S. ski team media folks giving us some interviews, live audio clips, from the athletes. I don't know why I just did my Donald Trump inner, um, impersonation there. But, oh, speaking of Trump, actually, did you guys hear Trump went to East Palestine? And they, a great audio clip. Ajay, you got to dig it up. Trump says um, he was he was there visiting the people after the explosion, the train derailment thing. And he's giving out water, taking people to McDonald's, like just being, being the man, I guess, you know. And he's like, we've brought 60,000 bottles of water. Um, Trump water. It's like, what is Trump water? Like, I don't know. And so I think, you know, we've been talking a little bit about feed stations, you know, feed zones in the cross country ski element. Um, I, I would love to have next time I do a road marathon, if it ever happens again, I'm going to have like my energy drink special mixture in some clear water bottle and then take a you know, I don't know, sticky note and just write like Trump water on it or I don't know. It'd just be, that would be the thing, right? Trump water. Okay. Sorry for the derailment. No pun intended of that uh, little ramble. But uh, speaking of feeds, by the way, I posted on Facebook and it was a little bit of a joke. I was trying to troll by saying that in the sprint course, 
which seemed like a really long sprint course. I think in my last show I said, you know, I'm surprised no one took a feed. And I realized out skate skiing in the afternoon where all of my most brilliant thoughts come to my head that I should make a joke and say, wow, if you're she stead, you got to be ticked that there was no coach to give a feed one minute at the uh, Herringbone Hill. And but there it is. There was my joke because, uh, you know, she just total glycogen depletion there, right? That's where she fell off. I think she needed a feed. Spring course is long. It was a joke. But anyway, we move on. I digress. So, skiathlon today. Thoughts. What did I think? Well, first of all, um, I think the overarching takeaway, I'll start with it this time. I'll try to be more organized as opposed to just running through random thoughts. And then maybe the most thematically profound thing is in there somewhere. I think the biggest thing here that we have to ruminate on or meditate on is the fact that Klabo really blew it today. I think he really blew it. And there might be a little bit of a, a shock or maybe it's a hot take. I don't really know. But my thought with Klabo is a little bit of a schizophrenic relationship where it's like, I love him. I hate him. I love him. I hate him. Um, and when I stepped back and really thought about his performance today, sure, it's a world championship silver medal. No shame in that. And um, Kruger's the best there ever has been at skiathlon. It's kind of his signature event. So no shame in like being a runner-up to Kruger. And also no shame in, in taking down Shirota in the skate element. But it's the fact that I really truly believe that Klabo demonstrated within that skate performance that he absolutely had what it took to win the whole thing. Um, and and I'm trying to decide what was the reason that he didn't. And I actually think it might be the Ivan Bobikov factor. What do I mean by that? Find out after the break. You're listening to the Cedars Gear Podcast right here on Shovel Lake Public Radio, sponsored by the United States People Company, Sport Hill. And enjoy winter. And I, I, I wish we had an ad to go to. I, cut to the break, Ajay. Music. Bring it up. Music. I'm jealous of the rain. That falls upon your skin It's closer than my hands have been Okay, so, we're back. What do I mean? The Ivan Bobbycat factor, that's what ruined Klabo. Here's what I mean. He was in that in that just nothing is going to happen in this classic leg. Classic leg. Klabo was right there. He goes in the transition and he was first into the transition area, or at least with the other, what, 10 or 12 other athletes, 15 other athletes that were there. And I remember thinking to myself, Ivan Bobikov, I always would say in the skiathlon, he really practiced the transition, like getting clipped in and getting out hard, switching out poles, straps, all of that. He dialed that in in the same way that a 4 by 800 meter relay team would dial in the, the baton exchange. And the reason I compare this to a 4 by 8 is because in the 4 by 8 you might think it's, you know, each athlete's running two laps. It's not like a 4 by 1 where the handoff really matters. But it's amazing how many 4 by 800 meter relays the turning point can actually be tied back to a handoff because the momentum exchanged, a gap is formed, a lot of that happens right there. And Klabo, if you go back and watch, he was really relaxed and actually quite lackadaisical in that transition zone. And my thought kind of a little bit was, well, that's that's a little bit how I would be. Like I'm I'm a little bit of the mindset, like, come on, is a really is a race really gonna be decided here as I'm changing boots? If I have what it takes to to win this, I'll be there. 
Um, so I wasn't like in the moment going, this is going to cost Clabo because it appeared after the classic leg that he was intent on winning this race. Like you just kind of felt like he's the one who's going to be in control of this and he's going to just sit behind second or third place. He's going to sit behind Kruger and, and then sprint by him at the end. I mean, and, and the reason I'm kind of going on this tirade is I honestly think there's no reason he can't do that. He's, he's as, he's as good of a freestyle skier as Clabo is, or as um, Kruger is technically, right? No disagreement there. He's a much better freestyle sprinter than Kruger is, okay? The only thing that, that's out of a question is Kruger's a better distance skate skier? What, so he's like more fit than Clabo? I mean, come on. Clabo's training thousands of, a thousand hours a year. He's at altitude. He can win a 50K if he really wants to. There's no difference. Like, Clabo, Clabo should be and is, I think, an aerobic monster in the same way that Kruger is. Kruger might have a little bit more of a deep well to go to on like total climbs, you know, things like that, where it where it really centers in on, on some sort of aerobic element or whatever. But I think a lot of it's just confidence. Like he just also knows that because you saw today when Clabo wanted to, he'd just throw in these random spurts. Okay, so I'm going to get to that. But back to the exchange, you go back to this exchange and you see Clabo comes in lackadaisically and he leaves literally i don't know six seconds like it, it's a it's enough of a gap maybe it's not six seconds maybe it's like three but it's a gap from kruger and the ivan bobikov winner of the day shirota he wins the bobikov award he was out fast out hard but kruger was right on his tail and, and kind of the first images as they as they're starting that skate technique i remember thinking like okay that's not that much of a gap but it's kruger like he's he is the dude. Why you can't spot the best freestyle freestyle distance skier any gap, right? Like you got to close that thing right now. And when he didn't close it immediately, and 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 it's amazing, right? Like this whole pack that came in together was just thrown into disarray, individualized because of the exchange. Like that exchange was so pivotal, and it just seems weird. Like it shouldn't have been, but it really was. It. It had it, it made it so Kruger and Rota, the two best freestyle skiers, got out in front. Like if anything, if you come in with this group and you're you're thinking the two guys that I that I don't think I can beat in the freestyle leg are these two guys, you can't spot both of them a breakaway three second lead. That's what happened. Okay, so it was amazing because I think right there the race was done. Clabo, if he decides to close that gap immediately and just sit on a Shirota, I think the entire race is different. Because, one, he doesn't have to end up in this limbo that he was in, where it was, okay, am I? should I close the gap now? Uh, should I charge up this hill? Am I closing the gap? Like, you just saw the confusion over him where, and, and poor Keegan Randall's like, I can't tell if, you know, Clavo's like giving up. It seems like he has not thrown in the tile. No, yes, no. It was this schizophrenic thing because... Yeah, he's one moment going, I think I'm pretty close to them, charge up a hill, get close. Then he, he realizes, wow, I'm, I'm really not that close to them, and those guys are the best skaters. Okay, I'm going to like dog it a little bit. Maybe I'll just fight for a second. All of that was decided because he didn't close this gap immediately. It was, it was just an absolutely detrimental decision. And it just led to, to all of the, the disaster. And, and I'll bring this up um, partially because there was a little bit of this lauding of Clabo as like, wow, look at him. He's the master 
Uh, he knew exactly what to do to close that gap on Rota, uh, Shirota and take second. What, uh, how amazing. Guys, that's not amazing at all. That's not amazing at all. Like, Clabo doing that is literally like if I'm in a DMR race running the mile leg and I've got like a 10-second gap on Grant Fisher. Like, Grant Fisher's going to be able to track me down and sprint by me. Sorry, you know, like... And, and that's what it felt like. It's like, well, of course he's going to be able to take down Shirota. Like, because, again, Clabo, you just, I mean, if you, if you right now you're screaming at your radio going, I don't believe you, I don't, take, I don't like this take for a second, just look at Clabo, the gap he closed on the winner in the last lap. At one point, it was 25 seconds. He was 25 seconds down and like 10 seconds behind Rota. And at the end, he was 12 seconds down. And yes, he kind of swerved across the line like he was tired, but he he closed with a good with a good finish. You know, like 12 seconds, while it is enough to, to be decisive, uh, again, it just kind of showed that he he chopped off like a like 13 seconds from Kruger, even just when he decided, okay, I think I'm going to get to the finish and survive. It's bizarre. Like this was Clavo's chance to win, go two for two, win an event. I think he's totally capable of of winning. But if we're honest, like this was probably the one that, you know, he has the stiffest challenge to, you know, because, well, I think this Giathlon really does demonstrate, especially at the, at the 30K distance, like who's the best kind of all-around distance skier because it's got both techniques and everything. I think that is Clabo. I, I really do truly think he should be the best skiathlon athlete because he's the best at both techniques. You know, he just is. Um, and yeah, it, it just bugs me because here was this missed opportunity for him to go two for two. And, and yet people are kind of like, wow, he won silver. That's amazing. It's like, no, it's not amazing. Okay. And guys, I'm a huge Globo fan. You know it, right? Like I love the guy and I, I really wanted to see the six gold medals. And so I'm ticked because I think <laughs> this was just a blown opportunity. Had Kruger won by a minute, it's all maybe different. Or had Clabo stuck his neck out there and tried to lead at some point in the freestyle race and then fallen apart, it's it's different. It's the fact that he was in third and then demonstrated a couple of times in the freestyle leg that he was willing to stick his neck out there, but then did not finish the job that bothers me. And I wrote in my notes. <laughs> I was so thrilled. I'm like... I wrote all caps, yes, Clabo move, because I loved it. There was a point where he was in fifth and kind of behind Poromo, and he realized, like, these guys are not getting the job done. I got to go. And he just blew the doors off of Poromo, and whoever was in fifth, I can't remember, was it maybe, um, well, must have been the other Norwegian. Who did I mention? Who was fourth today? Uh, scrolling back up really quick. Goldberg? Maybe it was him and Goldberg. Anyway. Clabo takes off and he's, he starts to close the gap. And it was like, it was like this little match that just, it was a great flame and then it was out. And maybe at that point he realized I have spotted those two leaders too much distance. So while I have now separated myself from fourth and fifth, I know I have a metal locked in place. I need to try to regroup. And that realization to me, if maybe he maybe he even is thinking the same thing I thought, like, wow, I should have closed that gap when it was three seconds instead of waiting for it to be fifteen. Because if if in a race you make a mistake, you you still can regroup and go, okay, what's the strategy? And it and 
so when he started slowing down, I was like, maybe he's kind of trying to just go, okay, that was a hard push. I need to gather. It's hard conditions. It's kind of slow. Um, I need to, I need to regather and then I can do it again. And then he did that. And when he kind of made his second sort of gamble, go for it. That's where I think you got to go, dude, for you, gold is all that matters. You know, like no one, Petter Nortug is going to now chide you forever that you got silver. He's, he's like perfect. He didn't get a gold. Like for Clabo, it's all about golds now. And, and it seemed to me like he was very much racing for a medal. Um, and I mean, maybe for him, he's, he would disagree. He would go, no, it's not all golds. Like a medal actually does matter, but it was very evident that he was kind of racing as such that it was, that it was just about getting a medal. And yeah, it just seemed, it seemed a little bit like there was a moment where I was like, dude, this is ballsy. This is the club I've been dreaming about. He's going to lay it out on the line. Guys are in the training room. Guys are getting taped up. Guys are injured, right? He's laying it on the line. He's going for it. And then he would like back off. And it, yeah, it was, it was frustrating for my hero to do it the way he did it. It just was not pleasing. Um, other notes. Let's see. What do I got? Hmm. The afternoon mocha. Gonna empower me for my second workout of the day. I'm gonna get out and ski, I think, again, because well, first of all, I'm testing a little bit the limits of the logic that the day before the day before the race is the most important. Yesterday <laughs> I had to drive all the way to Eagle. It was like an hour and a half drive, cover a hockey game, get back. I got back. I got to bed about like eleven fifteen or eleven thirty, and I was up early. Not ideal, two nights before a race. Um, but I was rewarded with an excellent skate session, skate ski session at Malloy Park. Perfect grooming over there and just perfect weather. Um, but yeah, we got the lead Velapa tomorrow. We've gotten more fresh snow. I've got three ski options that I'm not really sure which one to use. And there's a lot of factors in play here because we think that it's possible that the CMC section of the course, if used, could be a ski destroyer. So do I want to use two of my skis? are pretty fresh, no scratches. One of the skis has been scratched from last year's Led Velopet. It was terrible. The worst race ever. Um, and this year, this year I've got all three of my my race skis waxed differently. I've got skate a skate ski that I think has somewhat of a cold grind with just a graphite on it. And I'm thinking about just leaving it graphite and just brushing it off. Unfortunately, it's not the molybdenum graphite, which would have been hilarious to try and win this race on a ski, basically, you know, waxed with molybdenum since we're by the Climax molybdenum mine. Still fighting for that sponsor. Uh, but it's regular graphite. Maybe it'll be amazing tomorrow. Saturday. That's tomorrow. Um, also, I have a double pole ski that I believe I put a graphite layer on, scraped off, and then put a race blue, like a non-floral race blue I've never used before. Exactly. Novi has a toenail clipper. I think she's saying, Dad, you need to clip your fingernails. This is true, Novi. I do need to clip my fingernails. Yeah. Oh, she's now waddling away. I think she's going to clip Ajay's fingernail. Oh, 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 Novi. No, no. Okay. I'm not going to do it. Don't, no, don't, don't. Okay, sorry for those technical difficulties. Um, not even totally sure where I was, and now it has actually been like 18 hours since that last moment you heard seconds ago. I know I usually say I'm broadcasting live. That's not really true, but here we are, um, and now we have, for those of you out there, we're, we're actually going to talk about day three as well, but I'm gonna, sliding back, day two, 
Uh, I know there's a lot to take in. Day two. So the, the, the next point I want to bring up, Niskanen, just not in top form right now. I think my prediction of him going medalist in this World Championships, um, that's looking pretty good right now. He just didn't look on point. I don't know what his plan was really. Seemed to me like, you know, obviously classic is his specialty. So if he's going to go to the front, go to the front and make it count. And he kind of like seemed to go to the front uh, randomly, almost like, well, I better get my TV time so they make that, you know, um, proverbial, necessary, and look at Niskanen, and he's a specialty at classic, you know, and I'm the classic guy, because it was it was just kind of like the pack wasn't moving that fast. It wasn't like didn't really seem like it was breaking up all that hard. So he just kind of got to the front, but didn't do anything about it. So I don't know. I I just don't think he's in top form. 50k classic could be interesting, but if I um, de- I mean, depending on where he is at at this point, I don't know. Maybe you just shut him down until that point. Uh, he'll do the relay, I suppose. Finland's got some shot there. So yeah, he's just not looking like the Niskanen of last year. Um, Another thing, bringing up a little bit how this race played out. Man, there were some crazy crashes, right? The Italian dude just flies out two minutes of the turn. Um, That was one thing we saw. We saw some crashes day three. We saw some uh, actually even more wild crashes in the girls skiathlon. Um, But here was something I saw. I don't know if I brought this up already. Slow-mo, 23 minutes in. Look at the boots. There's this guy with the castle ski, and then there's this dude with the fisher boot. It looks like a total classic boot. What What is that guy's plan? Um, Yeah, I don't know. And as they're going through the slushing uh, sections, the slushy snow, I was thinking to myself, like, look at these, how fast these guys are going. If we had conditions like this, like anywhere where you live, you'd, you'd, you'd be like having one of those days where your skis are suctioning to the ground so bad. You'd be going like five five miles an hour tops, just be miserable day, probably pack it in after 25 minutes. And these guys are like going faster than we ever do on our iciest days. Yeah, just a note there. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Are there any really tough hills? Yeah, something I was wondering on this classic course, to me, that classic loop did not seem like super challenging. Like obviously faster it with some kick and stride, or kick and glide, but it did it did kind of look like a course that you definitely could kind of like just double pull all around. And to me, some of these striding sections, it looked like like athletes were just sort of randomly changing those gears. Oh, everyone else is striding. I guess we will now too. Like it wasn't like Ruka climbs, you know, where where you absolutely would have to. Uh whatever. It's probably kind of nice. And I think that's why we actually didn't see as much slipping either. Cause I kind of think those conditions were tough and we would have seen more slipping if it would have been really tested, but it just wasn't. So kind of an observation there, the course not, didn't seem super challenging, which to me, that's another reason why I can't really believe honestly, Clabo didn't try to capitalize a little bit more. This wasn't totally a course that you would go, Oh man, you know, Kruger's going to break him apart on the Hills. Um, and speaking of Kruger, Late in this in the skate race, he was kind of the only athlete in this entire field that at at late he was v twoing with a nice bounce up um, one of the final climbs. And I remember thinking to myself, I wrote in my notes, how is he the only guy doing this? Like these are all the very best, most fittest athletes in the world. How is he the only guy that is still looks like he's like giving it everything he's got and has good technique? He can't be the only person capable of doing that. I mean, I get it. He's the best at this specific thing. But 
Um, that's just bizarre. You don't you don't see that in like other endurance sports, like the Tour de France. It's not. It doesn't come down to one guy who's pedaling at like ninety RPMs and everyone else is doing thirty. You know, like everyone would just go, "What is going on here?" But in skiing, it seems like. Some of these racers, yeah, it's like if you if you're fighting in the top uh, five, you know, then then everything's kind of like really serious, and you're still you're still on your game. But that everyone else sort of like really quickly seems to put themselves in a spot of like, well, it's kind of hopeless for me. I guess I'll just finish this race, and they're not like really, you know, trying to extrapolate every ounce of energy over every inch of the course. I, I don't know. It just seems kind of kind of revealing, I guess, evidence that. Some of these skiers, they're not the same skiers where they're not being watched. They don't always ski every inch with every ounce. Um, that was that was the revelation I saw, thought to myself as I was seeing Calabo, or I'm sorry, Kruger, um, do that. So, I don't know, maybe that's a lesson here. Youngsters out there listening to the show, um, you know, skiing is a sport that, um, this is maybe it's a downside, you can hide on a ski course. You know, like, unlike take wrestling, boxing, and even track and field, it is, you cannot hide there. So what I mean by that is because of the nature of like rolling hills in a, in a Nordic ski course and so much of, so much of what makes the, the, the sport interesting because everyone is taking to downhills differently. Everyone's taking turns differently. Everyone's making moves on different parts of the uh, course to suit their strength, whether it's an uphill or a downhill or a working downhill or a really steep uphill. There's just so much variability, but that is also what allows different areas for people. If they're having a bad day, they're still moving. Because there are portions of the course that require zero energy to move. If you're going down a hill, you're, you're not expending any energy. Well, on a flat track, that's not possible. So like if you, if you even for one second and one step pull off the gas, it is immediately noticeable. Um, that, that's one thing. That is one reason why if I, if I was like you know, trying to do the Sergei Nakarayakov version of grooming a, someone from birth to World Cup champion in skiing, I would... I would um, push them to be in track or some sort of running event at some point in their career, just so they have that idea of what it really feels like to have to have the, the gas pedal down for an entire race. Um, then you can race like Eva Anderson. We're going to get to that a little bit in the show as we talk about the girls race. Eva Anderson, she races full gas all the time. It doesn't matter. And she's in first because of it a lot. Um, but anyway, this guy's race, yeah, I felt like that's what I saw demonstrated was not everyone can go full gas all the time. Now, on the flip side of that, Here's one thing I will say. Some of these courses on TV, they don't look as ridiculous as they actually are in person. And you combine that with really difficult conditions, sometimes slow, sometimes hot, you know, like we saw in the men's race and the women's race. <clears throat> um, and, and we and sometimes these athletes look a lot more human, put it that way, right? They they can be they can be reduced to that. Um now, if I want to pull in my running side, because you know I like to do that on here. I don't know if you guys tuned in to the World Cross Country Championships, the running ones that just happened down in Australia. I mean, I was just blown <laughs> blown away by the level of ability of those athletes in insane conditions. Humid, 90 plus degrees. Um, and then for the guys race, it was like it was it was the whipping winds that you get before a tornado. They were like they moved the race up 20 minutes because of the storms. So it looked like, you know, that that kind of dark cloud weather where the wind is coming across so hard if you're at the lake cab and you're like, guys, we got to get the pontoon in because otherwise it's going to blow away to Holly kind of thing. Um, that kind of weather. And these guys, 
it's like they're running it i think it was a 12k the men and in like i i am a hundred percent positive that if my life depended on it i couldn't have stayed with those men for more than 35 yards at any point in the course like certainly not the start they all go up guns a blazing but there was no there was no it was just relentless it was it looked like they were literally sprinting for 35 minutes and like that is to me i was just going yeah see this from an endurance standpoint this is like just pure pure um sport in the in the if if for sport for you is like just the revealing of the human nature you know it was just shocking um you don't you don't always see that in the ski side i think and as i say that cedarscaregmail.com blowing up in my inbox Ryan, did you see Letin Sebet Gide fall at the World Cross Country Championship? Can't believe you haven't commented. <clears throat> Forey Chang Tree, White Willow, Minnesota. Thank you, Forey Chang Tree from White Willow, Minnesota, for the email quick response there. Yeah, I did see it. This is crazy. Um, you know, it's interesting, actually, that, that he brings that up because recently on the Devin Kershaw show where they had the little Q&A um, or the, the mailbag with all the questions, they br- someone, an astute, an astute listener copied one of our listeners and basically kind of bringing up the whole idea of how do we know if Jesse Diggins is really you know going to the well more than other athletes yeah you're here to interrupt the show again oh wow Novi has some really important things to say today what else here come here tell tell the fans what do you have to say Okay, anyway, <clears throat> thank you, Novi, for that take. Um, what I was saying, yes, g'day. This was uh, this was talking about going to the well. So I mentioned cross-country, the running, how crazy it was. But g'day, go back and watch this crazy clip because she's the greatest distance runner um, maybe of all time for females. I mean, she holds, holds the world record in the 5K, 10K half marathon um, right now, and eventually it'll be the marathon too. She's the only athlete to win two world junior cross-country running titles, which is insane because you'd have to do it at 17 and 19 and um, in the World Senior Championship, she had a big lead. And uh, <clears throat> it's just crazy what happens. She's she's like, you could tell with the 600 to go that she is trying to decide as she has gapped the entire field, like, oh my gosh, she's realizing my body's going to collapse finishing this race, but I need to do it. And like, how can I hold myself together? And the, the Kenyan behind her trailing realizes it, starts to sprint. And as she gets closer and closer, the wheels just come off today and she like ends up collapsing 20 yards from the finish. Um, it's, it is truly like what it looks like with the body has, it was like Ironman triathlon type stuff. Anyway. Um, Hey, we should probably get to the women's race. Those of you out there who saw the women's race. Um, I know not everyone listening to the show maybe has, or maybe they saw it later. This show was supposed to come out after the guys race only is supposed to be guys only show. But now with the delay, we are talking about both. So let's let's take away some of these takes. I know everyone is probably going, dude, you're the Ski Classics man, legend. We haven't heard from Ski Classics Superfan. He's out there somewhere. Where's the email, Ski Classics Superfan? Um, our girl, Astrid Slynn, comes away with the bronze, and that's the story of the day, really. Well, I mean, it's one of the stories of the day. I think... I think there there really is three stories this day, and it's it's all the medalists. Maybe four stories actually, if we count the epic, just crash of a lifetime by Rosie Brennan, and the Americans out there today with um you know a lot of just mishaps. Sophia Laukley with the broken pole at the beginning, that's a bummer, <laughs> you know, just crazy sad. And then Brennan in the mix is going to be contending 
for a top five finish for sure, and maybe more. Um, and just the wipeout of the century. When I was watching it too, I, I, I was really hoping to, I was like, oh man, that moment. Sometimes, sometimes when, you're, when you're covering the races, the broadcast, you, you miss stuff. You know, you're so focused on so many different things. It's very easy to, when the camera zoomed out as far as it was, to be like, either not not even see what happened or if you see it you're like I can't say you know who that was because I don't know but in this moment I just had happened to be tracking Brennan I saw her go down and I was just like oh man if I had been on the call this time I think I would have been able to just go whoa Rosie Brennan just hit the deck you know and um it was pretty authentic when Keegan and Chad reacted to that because you know they're like oh my gosh that's Rosie Brennan you know and and like the voice Keegan Randall like it was you know, you could tell their friends, like, she was crushed at this. It was like, oh, no, you know, and it was pretty tragic. Uh, let's just, I want to try and spin something positive here because I know I probably spin way too many things negative, so I'm going to take this the positive route here. Let's be positive here on Shovel Lake Public Radio, <clears throat> okay? I am just blown away by the resiliency by both Laukley and Brennan, given what they were handed. Um... To have, and especially Brennan, I think, because, you know, broken poles that become, are pretty, like, that happens a lot for these athletes, so they kind of know the drill of, like, you don't even stop, you know, you, you like, you get going immediately, and you, you keep, you keep running, you keep striding, you look for the next pole, and so for Laukley, well, it would have been feeling, it would have been pretty isolated down the bottom of that hill when you're like, oh my gosh, I don't have a pole, and what if the no one's down here? But she got one, she got going, and she tried to tried to save save the race. But for Brennan, two things. One, the nature of the crash was so violent. Most of us, just keep in mind, when you fall on like a tiny hill at Theodore Worth Park, you you're at least for me, I like sit there and I'm like, oh my gosh, my head hurts. I'm kind of dizzy. Like, what does anything else hurt? You sit there for a minute or two, you know, or at least 30 seconds, and you kind of get up and start slowly walking. And, like, Brennan not only gets up immediately and finishes this race with, like, fire, but then the aftermath isn't just, like, is my body hurt? She had, like, a weird, her ski was broken. It was, like, you just couldn't have even, you couldn't imagine something much worse than this. So, props to, huge props to Brennan, huge props to Lockley. I just, that was... That was some serious toughness. And you know me, I'm the <laughs> I'm the biblical masculinity, biblical femininity guy, which I know our modern culture isn't super thrilled about. But like right there, that was true grit and like, I don't know, what's girl power? You know, like if, if you want to say it that way, I know we, we got to say women, so women power or whatever. But like, that was tough, man. That was, that was nuts. Great finish. <clears throat> so that, there's the one story on the American side. And by the way, speaking of Americans, let's hear from Rosie Brennan, her comments on today's races. Um, here it is, Rosie Brennan, after the skiathlon. First, but, uh, yeah, it's very spring-like skiing, for sure. Yeah. You think the course was suitable for a mass start? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So nothing wrong with the course? No. no. I have to ask a question about uh, Astrid Ayrashlin. She's 35 years old, and she makes her first start in the national championships in Jay i love it uh, we are born the same year and i've been uh, competing against her and her sister for my whole career and uh 
I think it's so cool to see. I, I find it very inspiring and uh, I'm very happy for her. What does it say about this sport that you can actually be on your top level when you're in your age? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it shows how much work it takes, uh, how many hours over your lifetime and, and also just that everyone uh, has their own path of development and sometimes it takes you a little bit longer to like find find your best uh, than other people and, and that's okay and I hope there's places for all of us to uh, take the time to be our best. What are your expectations for the rest of this championship? Well, I hope to stay on my feet, I guess. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> that's first goal. Could it be a medal in the 10K? <laughs> of course, I hope so, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. We go with one ski. <laughs> it is. Tell me what, what goes through your mind when that happens in a race like this. Yeah, I'd, I've never had that happen before, so I definitely had a moment of like, oh shit, what do I do? <laughs> um, but uh, at first I thought maybe this my boot just came off the binding, and yeah. so I went to pick up my ski, and then I realized no, it was the binding, so then I tried to look for a coach that had a ski, and luckily there was one that actually had one of my skis, but uh, you know, it's not the race ski, so it's not the best, and you already lose a lot of time, so it's definitely challenging. How do you motivate yourself to keep going after something? You lose so many seconds. Yeah, yeah, at first I tried to stay optimistic and thought like maybe they'll play games in the front and, and I'll have a chance or something, but then of course you think, ah, uh, maybe I should drop out and save it for the rest of the week, or you know, all the, everything yeah, runs yeah. through your mind, but I, I feel like when I'm at the championship and I'm here representing my country, I have to give it my best till the end. So that's what I decided to do. Uh, you said it was some of the slush that made the binding come off. Is, you see, like yesterday was a bit chaotic. Yeah. Today, a lot of crashes. Are the conditions okay to ski in? Or I mean, it's it's a little warm. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not the conditions you think of when you think of skiing, and so that's definitely challenging. But I think the track honestly held up quite well considering yeah. how warm it is and. I mean, crashes do happen, and, and it's yeah, it's unfortunate. It's part of it. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Um, can we have a ski championships happen in a place that has like good snow? I'm sorry, we don't have to go. I know the the narrative right now is out out there is well, this is just the way the world is now. Um, no, it's not. Look at Alaska; they're getting destroyed right now. They have so much snow. The Midwest, Minnesota, my hometown, it's it's nuts. They got 18 inches of snow right now. Wisconsin's Wisconsin is crazy. Everywhere in Colorado is getting drilled. Now, granted, we have some elevation here, so we'll, we'll take ourselves out of the running. But, like, North America is having the winter of the century, okay? So, yeah, if we're going to go to Central Europe and everything in the whole world has to happen in Central Europe, it seems like. I don't know. I do feel bad for these athletes. Yeah, poor Rosie. Is it warm out there? Would you guys like to have a championship race in 50 degrees? That is kind of dumb. Like, I mean, it's sort of it's sort of like if... Let's get let's take it back to track because you know I like making comparisons to track. It's like if we had the Olympics held in Helsinki in like January. You know, oh wow, what does it mean to win the Olympic five thousand meters? It was eight degrees outside and there was a forty mile an hour wind and there was snow on the track. Well, that's not a great representation. It's it's kind of amazing actually. It's a it's a credit to the the wax techs and everyone who who can like make the skis amazing for a lot of these athletes and we end up seeing the great ones the cream rise to the top anyway but yeah this is kind of baloney i don't know like let's go have have championships in norway that you know like there's spots in northern norway that are fine i don't, I don't think the i don't think the only answer to this is oh now we have to have championships at seven thousand feet that's just that's just ridiculous and but but i will say this if a championship was at seven thousand feet that would not be the end of the world for skiing it just wouldn't like we've even had olympics in mexico city at about what 6500 6800 so it can be done and with a snow sport with snow sports 
I'm not like opposed to that, but I don't, I don't think there's other places at sea level that have snow. So there's my climate change rant, I guess. Hey, huge props again. Rosie Brown, did you hear that interview? That was sweet. Like she had in the moment when she fell, it there was, you know, the idea of like, holy crap, what do I even do? That's what everyone would be thinking too. They're like, my skis broke. What is this? And then you're like, can I even get another ski? I mean, I guess you'd have to prep for that in some way, but but then the other thought, which is kind of a, a legitimate thought for her when she's got other metal aspirations is, man, should I drop out and save something here? I mean, I'm glad she didn't. You know, the person who got third today, by the way, is someone who has ski raced like four major marathons in the time period that all of these athletes are resting in between World Cups. So the the entire narrative, too, around like being so careful and dialed in about energy expenditure, I think can be overblown and Astrid Slind absolutely proved that today um, because most sane coaches would go there's no way someone can schedule in major marathons after doing the tour to ski she did a marathon a week after the tour to ski and then another marathon with two weeks later someone go to Astrid, Astrid Slind's page I was there a second ago tried to so Valdefia men's January 8th she races January 15th she raced again a 55k the next week as well and then went to Le Russe. <clears throat> so Astrid Slend, just a beast. But back to Brennan. So for her to think, should I drop out? Is that the right thing to do? I think I think if it's a 30K skiathlon and we're 3K in or 5K in, maybe you do. But at the same time, then that race is longer. So maybe you got more time to fight. I mean, heck, Brennan was the top American today. She finished 19th, 10 seconds in front of um, the the rookie out there. Who was that again? Uh, Sydney Palmer Ledger, and so, I mean, just an impressive performance by Brennan all around. The mental side, the composure, knowing she had that, and then really, really fighting it out and still finishing as the top American. And by the way, I did not listen to the intro. Did Chad and Keegan explain why Jesse Diggins wasn't in this race? Um, maybe I'm like totally in the dark. I I was trying to do a quick Google search as I was waiting at the. Awards for the Leadville Loppet, which took place in between the recording of this podcast and me writing two ma- massive bylines for the Vail Daily again today. So it was a busy day. That's why the podcast is coming out late, but I couldn't find anything when I was reading, Googling Jesse Diggins. So no knowledge there, but I was like, coming into this championship, I thought the skiathlon is like Jess Diggins' event, isn't it? Maybe she must really be like setting everything aside and going all in on what would that even be the individual skate then i suppose if i'm looking at the world championships calendar next up is the team sprint oh they got the team sprint tomorrow so maybe there's her and julia kern really thinking or something like that would it be her and kern her and brennan gosh that'll be exciting to know i don't think they've got the starters i'm gonna oh we have the start list because we're bringing this to you so late let's look at the extended start list anyway the fact that yeah she's not there that was a little surprising to me do we have this what's going on Looking at the team sprint. Oh man, it just kind of has individual people on here. I do see Jesse Diggins. It doesn't show our teams. That seems weird. <clears throat> team sprint qualification. Why does it just have. Do individuals do this? I forget the rules of it now. I'm making myself look stupid. The two Americans in this race Kern and Diggins. Okay. Oh, yeah. I think that's right because they have like an individual lap. They take the combined starts and they eliminate the field that way. So Kern and Diggins tomorrow. I, I don't know. I thought the skiathlon was like definitely an opportunity, but maybe they were looking at the snow and going, okay, Jesse's not going to be able to hang on the classic leg. Let's just save her. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, 
nonetheless, doesn't take away from Brandon's great performance, and um, it doesn't take away anything from Sidney Palmer Le- Leger, or Ledger. How do we say it? Do we know? Ajay, do you have an opinion? That being said, let's listen to Sydney after or her thoughts on the race today. There was a bunch of crashes, and I was able to like kind of weave around. Yeah. Right at the start, there was about four right on like basically the bit, first big corner, and it was about a second before I was going to crash, but I got out of it. So it was an incredible race. Um. When was the last time you raced a skiathlon? This is my first time I've never skied a skiathlon ever. before. Ever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what did you like, do to get ready for that? When we were at our pre-camp, I did some intervals that were like 10 minutes long, and every five minutes I would switch. If you mess up, you could lose more time. So, you know, we take skis on and off a lot, so... <laughs> kind of used to it at this point. Did the transition go pretty well? It did, yeah. So I didn't... That's okay, go for it. Uh, how, like, it looked like the course held up significantly better. Like, how was yeah. that skiing? The corners were a little sketchy. Um, you had to take it pretty well. There's a lot of girls that were very hesitant and were kind of snow plowing, and I don't think that was the best move just because they would catch an edge and go down. So yeah. I would rather go into a little speed and try to carry it and just keep the skis straight and try to like slow down um and it worked pretty well for me i stayed on my skis the whole time and was able to catch some people and yeah. just work through it what i mean you were top um so getting top 20 at my first world champs is pretty amazing i didn't have any expectations how it was gonna go just have some fun um and i definitely succeeded <laughs> my goals for this All right, so, sorry, those three audio files were sent to us, broken up a little bit, so they didn't make sense, that's why. Sydney, great, great job today. Um, Other news, ski news-wise, we got to wrap up the show here. I want to get a pub. They got to get out and take Ajay for a ski also because she's been sitting at home all day and she's starting to go crazy. So, we're going to get a little cool-down skate ski maybe out at CMC. By the way, in case you were wondering, the miracle on 34th Street happened in Leadville. We got some great fresh snow. Leadville up, it pulled together. It was a good race today. Um, my voice is probably dropping octaves because I don't even know why, actually. I mean, I wasn't, like, screaming on the course, but, I don't know, breathing hard and then not drinking enough water. I had, like, 17 bowls of soup. You can ask Dan Betwinas. He'll vouch for me. He knows. Um, speaking of Dan, the Leadville, or the um, Leadville Cross Country Equinox Challenge coming up in a few weeks. Or I think it's three weekends from now, March 18th, 19th, 19th, 20th, 20th. It's somewhere in there. LevelCrossCountrySki.com. You can follow them on Instagram, and they've got more information as well. It's a great 24-hour event. The only maybe, well, it's the best 24-hour event out there because you don't you don't have to pay anything for it. Okay, so if Dan gets mad at me, I guess for saying that, so be it. But it's on there. There's there's a donation you can donate, right? But this is uh, this is the grassroots race, and um, I think there's going to be some good competition there. Actually, I've heard a couple athletes who are getting ready for it, getting stoked for it. Um. So there's there's that on the calendar. But, yeah, cross-country skiing here. We got some nice snow. Got some good conditions. Finally got some 30-degree days, and things are looking up. I'll talk about my wax report on that maybe on another show. Leadville Loppet in general. Skis were all right today. They were all right. They weren't They weren't amazing. I could have used some beaver snot. Actually, no, no beaver snot because that's grip wax. I forgot. That's the clister one. Look, I could have used some Swig's crack cocaine. Okay, yeah, we could add that. Anyway... Um, that'll do it for the show. Let's, let's enjoy the team sprint tomorrow. Let's get back on the podcast. 
We'll get back into routine. We can chat about that race and more. If you've got emails, thoughts, comments, questions, send them to us on cedars, at cedarsgear.gmail.com or you can send us a message on Instagram or Facebook as well. You could look me up, I think. I don't have many friends, so it's probably kind of hard. You're going to have to work against the algorithms. But you can do it, and we can all do it. So let's keep on striving, keep on skiing. Oh, that glitters is good. 